Hey everyone, and welcome back. And I know things are a little bit different this week. After our, you know, tear-filled episode yesterday covering the finale of WandaVision, we're no longer the WV cast. We're now the uh, FW cast, baby. That's right. It's time for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, I know all our loyal listeners you know, came here originally for all that WandaVision content. And after that finale with, you know, record listeners and all those emails sent in and, you know, that weird ass monkey that showed up. I'm very sorry about that. It's unfortunately time for us to move on to something new. Indeed. And on that note, we are chronicling the chronicles of two sad men being sad. Yes, uh, we are watching episode one of, Ca- of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, this episode aired March 19th, 2021 and is titled New World Order. It was written by Malcolm Spellman. He's the showrunner and head writer and executive producer on Falcon and Winter Soldier. And it was directed by Carrie Skolgand, who uh, is an executive who, who directed the Punisher episode Resupply and uh, was and is also an executive producer on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon. That's what I said, Falcon. 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 Falcone. Falcone. Falcone the Falcone. We start with Sam Wilson, a.k.a. the Falcon, sadly putting Captain America's iconic shield into a drum cymbal back thing. We get a voiceover of the last exchange they had in which, in which Cap entrusted the shield to Sam, and then we get title card. So obviously Sam is going to respect Captain America's wishes, put on the shield, and become the new Captain America. Falcon. Falcon will become Captain America. He will bear he will bury the past. Kill it if he has to. We next move to a military op in which Sam has to rescue a Captain Vassant from a tourist group called LAF. They're trying to take a tour of Libya, but Captain Vassant wants off their plane because the tour guide, George's Batrock, won't stop leaping around and kicking him. Oh no, he's a leaping. That's right, Batrock's a leaping, baby. There's also a guy on the ground called Tourist who's providing support to Sam. <laughs> Sam uses his Rotdrossel drone to shoot the Tourist's helicopters and to get Vasant off the trip to Libya. <laughs> She's breaking. She's already breaking. So... <clears throat> No, I think uh, I think this opening action scene does a lot of different things for the series. So, I mean, first of all, it gets us hooked instantly. Like the the moment you see Sam jump out of that uh, out of that uh, airplane, you know things are going to get hyped, and we get some honestly like MCU film level action right here. Uh, when he ends up, you know, on the plane fighting against uh, Batroc. Like, there's some legitimately good choreography. Like, when he's flying around having Red Wing do 90% of the work, like, in that canyon, I, I have no idea how they did it. Like, those effects looked amazing. Uh, not to mention the introduction of uh, Tor- of uh, Torres, the uh, Sam's, you know, uh, friend uh, in the military, who apparently in the comics became the, uh, the next Falcon after Falcon became Captain America. Uh, we get a very good insight into his personality here. Just his exuberance of seeing uh, Falcon work on everything, 
The fact that he was the only guy who chased after Falcon when they were getting too close to the uh, border with Libya. It's all it's all very it's all very good as a character introduction for uh, Falcon slash Sam. Falcon. After the op, Tourist and Sam are fixing the Rot Drossel drone. Taurus tells Sam about a group of punks called the Flag Humpers. They have an uninspired logo of a handprint that does nothing to inspire fear nor loathing in Las Vegas. The two men have a thematic exchange about the law of conservation of energy and how when things get good for one people, they get bad for other people. Yeah, that, this... This is one of my favorite things. I've mentioned this off the air to my, uh, you know, uh, you know, platonic life partner Adam, about how I love it when a TV show or movie will state its theme right at the beginning, so that you can observe how it grows and changes. And the idea that when things get good for one, uh, one, one group of people, it gets bad for the other, is something that you can sort of see from both sides, like from both the side of the people getting good and the people getting bad. Uh, later on, we see some more about the uh, flag humpers, but uh, for, for now, it's it is a, it's kind of like the opposite of what Homecoming did to the blip. In Homecoming, the blip was basically a point of comedy. Uh, you know, they, they played, you know, uh, Iron Man's death very straight, you know, non-comedic. Uh, However, for uh, the blip, you know, it's just like the scene of, you know, the people appearing in the middle of the basketball game, uh, uh, Flash pretending he's 21 when in reality he just blips, stuff like that. But here we see that, yeah, people, some people really liked the blip. Uh, we also see people whose lives were completely negatively affected by the blip, like the, uh, like the uh, Lydian man that shows up and, you know, thanks Falcon for bringing back his wife. And we see a woman much younger than him. And it took me until my second viewing to be like, oh, she was blipped. It's honestly very, very good writing. You, you can tell that a lot of thought and care was put into this script. Steel Dude Love Us 3000. Hashtag bring black the blip. We then go to Washington District of Columbia. Sam is donating Cap's iconic shield to the Smithsonian. Later, Sam and Don Cheadle stroll through the I'm iconic sorry. Captain America. I'm sorry, Don Cheadle? The, the actor attended the donation ceremony and he knows Falcon? Don Cheadle. Wow, I can't believe Don Cheadle, the actor, knows, knows uh, Sam Wilson, the Falcon. Falcon. They go to iconic Captain America exhibit and discuss the state of the world. In brief, the world is feeling kind of shitty. It has a bit of a fever. Don Cheadle asks Sam why he didn't take up the iconic shield and henching into Neo-Captain America. Sam responds that he didn't feel like he could feel the iconic shoes that Steve Rogers left. Yeah, so I, I love, you know, first of all, I love bringing Rhodey in. It's kind of like a bigger version of bringing Darcy in and, uh... Adam, what's his name? Uh, what's uh, the actor's name? The Magic Man. Yeah, uh, hold up. Ant Man, Magic Man, uh, Jimmy Woo. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's like a bigger version of bringing in uh, Jimmy Woo or Darcy into this. But have, having War Machine there and also friendly with Falcon, even though they were on opposite sides of the Civil War, they were right. Yeah, they were. 
I'm not for, I'm not messing that up. It's good for several reasons. One, we get to be reminded of how big the world is, how there are several types and different heroes around. Just because we don't see them doesn't mean they're not doing their own thing. But also, we get to see how the Avengers have fully reconciled, even the ones that were blipped, and get to return. And even when they return, they, you know, stuck together. Then, of course, the the classic uh, Captain America museum that we saw in Captain America 2, you, you, you can tell from, you know, the small details, it's been updated since then. And for example, there's an exhibit talking about Hydra and how it took over S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, there's, you know, his new costume and, of course, the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. there, which I'm sure is going to stay there the entire time. And we also get introduced even more about how the world is chaotic and dangerous after the blip ended. In flashback nightmare, Bucky Barnes slash Winter Soldier is carrying out a greasy-haired assassination on behalf of the evil organization Skilla. He rubs out an old guy and then does the same to a witness of the to the rub-a-dub. Bucky then wakes up on the floor of his apartment. So, you know, another good action scene, seeing old-school Winter Soldier, hearing his theme again, but I'm not going to lie, I didn't realize that this was a flashback until he killed uh, uh, Yori's uh, son, or grandson. At first, I thought it was like, oh, Bucky's doing missions for the army, kind of like Sam is, but they're darker because he's the Winter Soldier. Then he said, Hail Hydra, and I was like, was he being ironic? Was he being like, Hail Hydra while killing some Hydra remnants? Then, then, then he killed that child, and I was like, oh no, this is not good. And then he I woke would up, have to and I was break, like, oh, oh, yeah. Character, break through, ah, uh, break in the chain, d d d don't get away, don't be afraid, breaking the chain, ah, ah, da. I did not put it together that, that he killed Yuri's son, and I watched this episode twice. Wait, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm, hold up, hold up, sorry, sorry to break kayfabe, guys, what the fuck, Adam? What do you mean you didn't realize he killed Nori's son? Yori's son? I... I didn't recognize him. I, I didn't put it together. What the fuck? What the actual fuck? I don't know. You, you, you didn't tell? You couldn't tell when the hot bar lady was like, yeah, ever since he lost his son. And then he... Then, then Bucky was like... Fuck, that's a boner killer. Bye. Went to Nori's apartment, was like, hey, here's 20 bucks. And then stared into the apartment and saw Yori's son's picture there on a goddamn shrine. I, I don't know. I might be face blind. Did you not realize it when you saw that Yori Naka... What's his name? Nakajima, yeah. I believe. When you saw that Nori Nakajima's name was on his make right list. I thought my first instinct was that... Yori's son was like a victim of the Flag Smashers. Oh my god, I'm so stupid. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm, so stupid. I'm gonna go get an orange, and I'm gonna come back and eat that orange right into my mic, okay? Okay. <laughs> I'm back with my orange. Get back into character, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, at an appointment with a therapist... Bucky pretends to be fine and does poorly. His court-mandated therapist hits him with a notebook. The court-mandated is 
a horrible therapist. Notebook. Oh, right, I forgot. You're back in character. You can't respond to me. So, this, first of all, bad therapist, like, actively making Bucky feel bad about things. Like, it's, it's TV show therapy, and it just sucks. You hate to see it, but it is what it is. God, I love oranges. But we get to see Bucky making such visible progress. He, like he has a he has a he has a visible indicator of his progress with his notebook, with being able to cross out names of either bad people he's put into power or people that he's harmed. Like you can see that he's going through clear, actionable, re- like achievable goals to remove himself from his past. Like, he's actively not being the Winter Soldier. He's actively not harming people. It's honestly beautiful to see Bucky... Well, not Bucky. It's Well, yeah, it's honestly beautiful to see Bucky again after the Winter Soldier. Like, took over Bucky for decades. I just wish he had a better therapist. All right, you can continue. I'm going to eat my goddamn orange. Later... Bucky breaks up an argument over trash between older guy named Yori and a neighbor. Bucky and Yori get lunch at a sushi joint, where Bucky gets set up on a date with a waitress, and Yori gets triggered by red bean paste that is somehow green. Alright, so that's half an orange down. Anyways, Yori? Straight up one of my new favorite characters in the MCU. Like, the fact that he almost beat this 20-year-old to death for putting some trash in his trash can is a goddamn mood, to be fair. And also the fact that he's basically doing the, uh, he was basically the Black Widow to Bucky's Captain America from the opening scene of Captain America 2, where where Black Widow's just like, hey, what about Jan from accounting, the one with the nose ring? Like just, you know, getting him a date and it it's sweet. The one thing that I admit is dumb is Yori all of a sudden going into talking about his son? Like, the the monologue, the actor, uh, Yori's, uh, Yori's actor, I'm going to pull him up right now. Uh, Yori's actor, played by Ken Takemoto. Uh, don't see, he's probably been in other things. Have to go to his IMDb. Huh, he was in Moana and Transformers, Dark Side of the Moon. Those are two things of almost exclusive quality. Uh, looks like he's done, looks like a a lot of what he did was at, uh, in the art department, uh, and some voiceover work. Uh, hmm. it seems he's not a famous, famous actor, but he's, he's done some things. Also, I can go to his Facebook page from the Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki, which is scary. But, uh, but yeah, Ken Takamoto absolutely nails that dialogue. But they did not transition into it well. At, at the very least, I did not. Uh, I did not feel that transition. Elsewhere on a dock, Sam meets with his sister and her kids. Sam's sister wants to sell Paul and Darlene to make ends meet. <laughs> Sam opposes selling them. All through this interaction, Sam's sister seems bitter that Sam got to say "on your left" to Cap. Meeting Sam's sister, first of all, named Sarah, so I guess the parents just liked, uh, the parents just liked S names, was pretty good, because, first of all, getting to see more of Sam's personal life, which we only ever really got to learn about his, uh, about his work life. Uh, most of his characterization was based around being the Falcon, 
uh, losing his partner uh, um, in the war, things like that. And he wasn't a bad character because of it. Like, Sam was basically an emotional rock, if we're honest, in the, Cap in the Captain America and Avengers movies that he was in. Like, he... Because we didn't get much of his, like, personal backstory, he didn't have as many hang-ups. And instead he was able to just be there for, you know, Steve and show, hey, this is what a really awesome dude looks like. Here's how you can become even awesomer. Now we get to see that he's not always right and he's not always awesome. Like, he he's arguing with with Sarah and they both honestly have some pretty good points. Uh, you know, Sam is like, hey, listen, here's a plan that I came up with, like, you know, for to get financial aid, we can turn this around, we don't have to sell our parents' boat, which has lots of sentimental value to both of them. Meanwhile, Sarah is, you know, the one that's been dealing with the boat, and yeah, Sam's thing can help, but as she said before and says later several times, she, she already mourned First she mourned and grieved her parents, then she mourned and grieved her brother, and then she probably finally, after months of just arduous decision-making, decided that the only way to survive is to sell the boat. And it's sad, because no one wants to grieve more than once. Like, no one wants to get hope again and then have it be crushed because of an evil bankman. And, uh... I, I, I just like that Sam sis Sam's sister also played amazingly. Sarah's a great character. Played by Ediparo... Adepero Odie? Uh, let's see, what has she been in? Uh, from Brooklyn... Adepero Odie is how it's pronounced. Has done a bunch of theater and, uh... Has acted in a lot of, uh... Movies, 12 Years a Slave, Pariah, The Big Short, Geostorm, the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, I'm happy to be able to see Sam's personal history. And I hope that once this is over, I can go rewatch Cap 2 or Civil War and see them and just be able to feel more because they are more. Back in New York land, Bucky is having date with Waitress. Bucky has to end the date when he starts spiting the local Maneki Neko. Oh, I just need to... I just need to breathe for a second. I just need to breathe. I just need to breathe. Okay. So, <clears throat> Sam's Sam's date with Leia, who... Hold up a second. Mishi Ishikawa. Uh, what has she been in? Uh, and she was in NCIS. Funny People. Uh, 911. The Terror. Okay, yeah. She, she, she seems to be a working actress. Nothing particularly big. Oh, sh holy shit. She was in Zoe 101 as Vicky. Uh, huh. Hold up, I'm gonna... Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, she was in Zoe 101. But anyway, f first of all, I, I love the fact that that's that Bucky is just perplexed by this cat's arm and is just like, no, stop it. S stop it. No, stop. Yeah. And then the fact that he got to have a board game date at a bar with like... A that That's the goddamn dream right there. Like... I understand that he, uh, I understand he, you know, had PTSD when, when Lee is just like, yeah, it's so, I'm so glad you're hanging out with that old, old man. He is very sad. Then he has his, you know, Pete, he gets more PTSD. He's like, I have to go. And then goes to Yori 
you know, says like, hey, I forgot to, I first gave you money for the lunch. And then we see that Yori's son was in fact the guy he killed in the flashback. And how, how do you deal with that? Like, how can you apologize to a man for killing his son, especially with those circumstances? Because, like, it's impossible because he was literally just in the middle of it. He wasn't even Bucky's target. He can't even say, I'm sorry, I was mind-controlled by Hydra and they had me take out these high-profile targets. No, uh, Nakajima's son, uh, he was just there. It's, it is tragic because you can't tell Nakajima. How do you explain to it that you, how do you explain that you were mind-controlled? How, how do you, how can anyone even accept that as anything close to an excuse? It's sad. It's just sad. We next cut between Sam and Bucky being sad men a couple times. Later, tourist is in Switzerland town where he joins a flash mob as they break stuff and hump flags. Taurus gets made that signed a waiver when one of the flash mob attendees hits him. At first, I thought Torres was going to be a one-off character. I, I thought he was, you know, just sort of some... A mixture of, you know, background dressing and an exposition machine. Then I saw him in Switzerland, and I was like, oh, Torres, you might be a character seeing him infiltrate the Flag Smashers. And then we also get to see that the Flag Smashers are powerful. They're super soldier level, pretty much. With the way they're just flinging people around, jumping from rooftops. And we also see how much public support there is, because... People show up, dress as Flag Smashers, and help get A, the money away, and B, the soup, let the super soldiers get away. It's, on, it's honestly a pretty good strategy. And also, Torres, is, Torres has balls. He does, not have, he does not have the bones to you know, hold up those balls. Because he immediately is like, all right, time to arrest this superhuman I just saw fling a cop 20 feet in the air. And he's like, hey, I have a gun on you. What? You are under arrest. And just gets knocked the fuck out. Uh, also incredibly smart of him to record the whole thing. I, I enjoyed this scene. It's, not, it's nothing particularly deep or heavy, but it furthers Torres as being, you know, sort of a plucky person able to investigate well, because like, as he, like he's the, he was the only person there to interfere with the Flag Smasher thing. He was the only, like, authority figure there. At a bank, Sam and his sister are having an epic battle with the Bankman villain. The Bankman. The Bankman. The Bankman. The Bankman. The Bankman! Alright, so, <clears throat> the bank scene was great. Uh, first of all, I don't know why they had all that, they got all that food. Maybe it was from a deleted scene or maybe I just missed something, but they made all that food. You know, we got to see the nephews again who are like, yes, video games, which like, same dude, same. And then we got to see the first hint of uh, what, you know, appears to be one of the major themes of, uh, of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. By the way, I always default to calling a Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I have to like do a little pause to fix it in my head. But yeah, one of the major themes of Falcon and Winter Soldier is, you know, the race is racism. Is the fact that, yeah, you notice that, yeah, black people 
tend to be the ones that are denied loans. Like, we see more stuff in later episodes. Sorry, guys, I watched ahead. I know I'm not supposed to, but, you know, that's me. Uh, we also get to have more of the argument between Sarah and Sam. Uh, we get to see more of Sarah's side of things, where she she just can't... She's She's been through more than most people should go through, and she just doesn't want to... She wants it to be done with. She doesn't want to have hope. She doesn't want to have to mourn or grieve again after losing her parents, after losing probably half her friends, after losing her brother... And she says, "You you went to fight you went to fight Thanos, and I'm happy you did. I'm you know I'm thankful for it, but that doesn't change what happened here, which I think is a good thing to think about. That just because you have a good reason to do something, just because you did what was best, doesn't mean that best thing was good for everybody. Just decisions like that, even if they're in the right." can result in people getting hurt. And it's well within their right to be angry about it because yes, you saved the entire world and yes, they are happy you did it, but you also left the family by itself. Like you also went away for years and everything. And it's it's something to really think about. It's it's a good it's a good thing to think about. Also as sad <laughs> As sad and, you know, angry it made me to see them get denied the loan. The fact that the bank was like, ah, so... That was good. That was very good. Tourist complains about the flash mob hitting him to Sam, but breaking news. New guy has Cap's iconic shield. New guy has big nose. The biggest F you to Sam, to Captain America's memory... To everything, they just bring out a new Captain America. They sit, like, first of all, one of the reasons Captain America's even able to work in a, in a, you know, non-war setting where, you know, he's a soldier fight against, you know, people who are putting Jews in concentration camps is because he didn't work for the government because Captain America fought for the idea of America. The idea of equality and, you know, peace and, you know, not being a military-industrial complex. Then the military-industrial complex, who was like, hey, we'll put the shield, it, shield in a museum for 10 seconds and just makes an... It's, it's aggravating. It's, it's frustrating because, hey, what the fuck? Like, that's Cap's shield. He gave it to Falcon. And Sam was like, hey, it, this belongs in a museum. As a great man once said, this belongs in a fucking museum. Who is Falcon of the Week? I think my Falcon of the Week is going to be Bucky Barnes. I, I think he really embodied what it meant to be the Falcon. I, I, I think, you know, he had, he had the poise. He had the freedom. He had the nose for it. Like, everything, was gr everything about him was Falcon. You know... I'm pretty sure I saw, you know, little talons coming out of his fingers. My falcon is Cap's iconic shield. It is Symbol. Who is Winter Soldier of Week? I'm going to say Sam Wilson is the Winter Soldier of the Week. I think he really nailed what it meant to be the Winter Soldier. He had that stoicism, that confidence. 
His arms looked great. I thought I saw a metallic sheen on one for a second there. Yeah, I think Sam Wilson really fulfills the idea of being the Winter Soldier. My Winter Soldier's bank man. To Tarot Corner. Piria. It watches all. Grinning. Menacing us from above. Always drooling. All it takes is one bad day. Episode rating. 12,000 Wulongs needed to buy Cap's iconic shield. For me, I'm good. I'm going to give it a conditional 10 out of 10, because this episode sets up a lot really well. So if the series as a whole delivers on it, I would say 10 out of 10 for creating that foundation. However, if it doesn't, I would lower it to an 8 out of 10. A great episode of television, but because a lot of it was set up, if it isn't delivered properly, then 